Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. Revelation chapter number three, uh, I want to um, just draw our attention to this book, the book of Revelation. We just sang a song. It's called the Revelation Song. And uh, one day we are going to be at the throne of God, just singing worthy to the Lamb. And uh, I can't wait for that day. Those of you that don't like to sing, you're going to be in for a rude awakening when we get to heaven. You, uh, you're going to look around and you're going to be the oddball. Those of you that don't want to raise a hand are going to be the oddball in heaven. There might be, um, I think we're all going to probably look a lot like Walter when we get to heaven. We see Jesus. My wife will say to me every so often, she say, did you see, did you see Walter today? I said, no, he sits off to the side. I can't see him. She, he was dancing in the front today. He was, he must've really, really enjoyed the music today. I like someone that gets excited about Jesus. Don't you? I think we ought to be a church that gets excited about Jesus. Matter of fact, Revelation chapter three, it speaks of a lot of churches. There's several churches that uh, John writes and Jesus tells John to, to write about. And I want to I want to talk to you about just about the church age. We are living in the church age. When we read Revelation chapter two and three, we are reading of these historical churches, these churches that were in Asia Minor, which would be modern day Turkey. These were these were real, real churches that existed. But they also represent, and there's a prophecy through these as well. These are prophetic because these are the churches that exist during the church age. And we're living in the church age. And we believe this, that when the church age is over, that's going to be the rapture of the church. Christ is going to come for his bride and the church will no longer exist. We'll be raptured to heaven until that time, though we are living in what's called the church age. And so we can look at these churches and say these were real churches that existed when John was writing the book of Revelation. Also, you can find that the churches today, we can find they fit into this list of churches here. There's a prophecy about the churches today. And I want us to look at the church of Laodicea today in, church, in chapter number three, in verse number 14, Revelation chapter three, verse number 14, and unto the angels, angel of the church of Laodiceans write, these things saith the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I want you to take note to verse number 17. We're going to come back to that. But thou sayest, I'm rich. I'm increased with goods and have need of, of nothing. 
It sounds like the church in America, doesn't it? We have everything. As a matter of fact, if we don't have something, we get upset. If something just isn't comfortable the way we like it, we get annoyed. If life isn't the way we want it to be, if church isn't the way we want it to be, God is supposed to give us everything that we ask for. And sometimes we treat God more like he's a genie than he's God. We get to the place where we love our comforts. We're lukewarm. In verse number 18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest, that thou mayest be rich. And white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve, thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also were came and am set down with my father in, this, uh, in his throne. Look with me in verse number 22. He that hath an ear, what's the Bible say? Let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith. So often when we look at scripture, we want to look at it through our own eyes or through our own hearing. And Christ says to John, pen these words, and I want you to let the churches know that if you have, a he if you have an ear, you need to hear what I'm going to say. Listen to what I'm going to say today. Listen to what the Spirit wants you to hear. Church True Christianity, church, can't happen without the moving of the Holy Spirit. We can gather as a crowd of people. We can gather at a place that has a sign that says church. We can either sing, we can receive an offering, we can even get up and speak. But without the working of the Holy Spirit, we have nothing. We're just a group of people coming together just like any other group of people. Bible here says, him that he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And he uses this word with the Laodicean churches. He says that you're lukewarm, lukewarm, no fire, no zeal, no witness for the things of God. We're just going through the motions, not hot, not cold, but just lukewarm. And sometimes the dangers of being lukewarm is we can look at those that are cold and say, I'm not as bad as that. I might not be as excited as that, but I'm not as bad as that. And sometimes we think because we're not as bad as something, we must be okay. And the Bible here says we have become lukewarm and it, God wants to just spew us out of his mouth. We've come through in our church, I believe this last quarter, I believe that we've come and we've seen God do some wonderful things. We've been through a fantastic missions emphasis month. We're still hearing and learning and seeing how God is working in the lives of our, of our church and our missionaries. And I thank God for that. This past month, we saw 
Easter weekend where we had a Good Friday service and then Easter weekend and just a wonderful service and all the work that goes into that. I thank God for that. This past Sunday, 11 o'clock hour, we had between 50 and 60 adults and and, uh, others that were in a room we called our next step class and taking that next step of what they need to do. Some it's baptism, some it's church membership, others it's it's getting involved and taking a uh, serving the Lord here in this church. But a wonderful group of people, and I'm excited about what God is doing here in our church. Here we find in Revelation chapter two and three, there were seven churches in in this modern day Turkey. They're located. Uh, they they were real churches. They, they existed there at this time of this writing. And also for us to look at, these are, these are churches that describe the church during the church age. The Bible says that, that he that hath an ear, let him hear. And I, I want to challenge us today, church, we are going to be held responsible by God for what his word tells us. There's not going to be an excuse, well, I just didn't know. He's given us his word, and we're going to be responsible for what his word tells us. We need to be Bible literate. We need to know what the Bible says. We need to know what the Bible says and know how to live, and and we're going to be held responsible. And the Bible says, if you've got an ear here, let him hear. I want you to understand you're going to be held responsible for what the word of God has to say. If you're here today and you're lukewarm, you're going to help be held responsible for being lukewarm. If our church is lukewarm, we're going to be held responsible for being lukewarm because God doesn't desire a lukewarm Christian or a lukewarm church. God desires a church where the Spirit of God is leading. And I would say this to you, church, when we are being led by the Spirit, we're not lukewarm and we're not cold. We're exactly where God desires for us to be but we can't be there unless the spirit of God is leading us. We need to stay on fire spiritually. As the summer months are approaching, can you believe uh, today starts a new month and in just another month, we're going to say we're halfway through this uh, this year. The time is going by, and we're going to get into some summer months and in vacation season, and and our our attention is going to be drawn in in so many different areas. And and as we approach these months, I want us to continue to stay spiritually healthy and on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't just take a break for several months and then get back to it in the fall. You know why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ could come during the summer months. He's not going to wait because we're busy. We need to be busy for him because he could come at any moment. People still need to hear the gospel even during the summer months. People still need to be saved during the months that we are are, uh, a change of pace in our life. And so I just simply want to challenge us today after we're coming off a wonderful, wonderful season of ministry. And as we begin to change our our, uh, uh, seasons here at our church, I want us to stay spiritually strong and on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a message from the Lord. In verse number 14, I want you to see what he says. Unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the amen. The the Bible here has that amen capitalized, and that amen is Jesus Christ. And that means the amen. You know what that means? When you say amen, it's true. 
When I preach and you say amen, what you're saying is that's factual, that's true. I agree. Here Jesus is calling himself the amen, the one, the, the, the factual one, the one to agree with. He says, these things saith the amen. He also says the faithful and true witness. And so Jesus is going to speak to us and what he's gonna to speak to us is very factual. What he's gonna to speak to us is very faithful and very true. We need to listen what the Lord is getting across to us. I know as we come to the book of Revelation, so often we don't see the book of Revelation taught or so many don't study the book of Revelation because it's very difficult to understand. And I would say to us, yes, I believe that we ought to approach the book of Revelation with with caution, with the spirit of God uh, delivering to us what he wants us to understand and without putting outside things into it, but simply understand what God is trying to say. But we must understand that God is speaking to us even in this book. So we can't ignore it. He's faithful, he's factual, he's forceful, he's true. He's the amen. And I want you to see God's response to the lukewarm Christian today. God's response to the lukewarm Christian. Look with me in verse number 15. He says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. He says, I would that you were cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, look what he says. His response is, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now that word spew is a word that you could use it in today, uh, today's words, you could say vomit. Just get rid of it. Vomit you out of our mouth. Now, no one would ever look at vomiting as a good thing. Matter of fact, if you've ever vomited what you, uh, so often some of my kids have got eaten and gotten sick and later on, months later, we'll say, hey, let's go eat this. And, the, and one of them will say, I don't ever want to eat that again. I remember throwing up and now that is never, never going to enter my mouth again. So we don't look at spewing or vomiting as a good thing. It's something that your body is rejecting. It's something that you don't want. It's something that doesn't have great flavor. It's not something that you want to taste again. It's vomit. There is a sin that makes God want to vomit. And I think that we have to be careful to look at this, not, well, that's just the condition I'm in, or that's just the feeling I'm having. We need to understand something here today, church. Being lukewarm is sin. The Bible here in this passage of scripture says we need to repent. Repent of this. And so we need to understand there's a sin that makes God want to vomit and we should never want to be about something that is repulsive to God. There is, there is, there's probably one of the most, most um, sinful things, probably the most sinful conditions in the church today is probably one of being lukewarm. Because we, we know we're not going to do the bad things. And I, and, I, and I know what we should be doing, but, but as long as I'm not doing what I should not be doing, I think I'm just okay. And that's a feeling, if we're not careful, many of us can just get into this rut of being lukewarm and, and we're not bad, We're just comfortable. 
God is not talking to the lost here in this passage of scripture. He's talking to the one that is a child of God. He's talking to the one that has been saved. He's not talking to the atheist. He's speaking to his church. He's not talking to the God haters. He's speaking to his church and he's saying, I want there to be a fire for me. A fire for the things of God. Lukewarm or being self-satisfied a heart that's just hardened. And how do we know? How can we find out if we're lukewarm? How do we know? Because you know what I find most of the time in Christians? We're the last to know when we're lukewarm. Now, you can see it in someone else. How many have you ever seen something in someone else and it annoys you really bad? Only to find out when someone says to you, you do the same thing. The things I see in my kids that annoy me so much, Michelle will say, they're just like you. And I say, I don't do that. She says, that's where they learned it from. They're just like you. Well, I don't like it in them. Lukewarmness is something that's difficult for us to see in ourselves, but how can we, how can we find if we're lukewarm? How many of you, if you're lukewarm, you want to know it? Half of you? Okay, Good. Good. I want you to write this down. Number one, how do you know if you're lukewarm? If you're indifferent with your sanctification, if it really doesn't matter, or holiness, if you're indifferent about your sanctification. Now, the moment that you get saved, the Bible says that we're justified. Justified that, I think uh, uh, Walter maybe prayed that here today, justification is just as if I'd never sinned. The moment that I get saved, I am justified God sees me. He doesn't see me in my sin. He sees me in Christ and I am saved and I'm a child of God. How wonderful that is. But sanctification is becoming like Christ. It's a process that takes place. We, we continue to grow. How many of you would admit you don't know everything the Bible has to say, but you're learning, you're a work in progress. That's me, a work in progress. How many of you say, no matter what you ask, I'm not raising my hand today. Uh, all right. Try to get you to raise your hand, all right. But we're indifferent about our sanctification. We just don't care about holiness anymore. We, we need to be careful that we're not just getting to be lukewarm when it comes to holiness. God is a holy God. And we are a child of God. He has saved us from sin. It's not time for us to go back to our sin and live in sin, but we ought to seek to live holy lives because God is holy. We're indifferent about sanctification. Another way that we could find our lukewarmness is we're indifferent about our service. Serving the Lord, serving the church of Christ. We can do things in the flesh it doesn't really matter. I hope today, I pray today that there is not a single person here today in this room or any other place here in this church that is here and they're not right with God and they're not filled with the spirit of God. 
Sometimes we look and say, well, I hope the teachers are filled with the Spirit of God because they're teaching today. And I hope the singers are filled with the Spirit of God because they're singing today. And of course, you want the preacher to be filled with the Spirit of God because he's preaching today. And all of us ought to be filled with the Spirit of God. But all of us ought to be filled with the Spirit of God because we are the church of God that has come today and gathered to worship the Son of God. And we need to do that by having the Spirit of God leading us, all of us, every one of you, ought to be filled with the Spirit of God today. Listen to me today. We didn't have a group of people up here singing today, performing. We didn't put a concert on this morning. It's not just those that are playing instruments and singing songs that are uh, 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 actively a part of worship today. Every single person that is here in this auditorium ought to come to be actively a part of worship today, lifting our voices up, singing of the mightiness of God, the holiness of God, and praising our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope we don't get to a place where people come to the house of God and we're lukewarm to the things that are happening in the work of God. God. I believe every person working in the, as a greeter, every person serving, every single person here needs to be filled with the Spirit of God. I am afraid, church, that church in this church age has gotten to a place where we can do church without the need of the Spirit of God. We just hit repeat every week. We get up at the same time, we drive the same vehicle, we park in the same spot, we go through the same door, we greet the same people, we get the bulletin, we sit in our same seat, we like our same songs, we dislike our other songs, we like certain things, we don't like certain things, we like certain people and not like certain people, and then we leave and we start all over again our week. Oh, listen to me, if we are in that kind of rut, God help us get out of that rut and help us get to the place where we have a fire in our heart when again to God. When we come to the house of God, things are different. Our heart is different. Our service is different. We're indifferent about our sanctification. We're indifferent about our service. How do we know if we're lukewarm? We're indifferent about scripture. Every single one of us here today in the English language, we have a Bible. We looked at the first week of our missions conference here this past month in March, and we found out there are people around this world that cannot open a Bible in their language and read it. But we have a Bible. And reality is we probably most of us have more than one. We've got one in several different rooms in our house, and we've got one in the trunk of the car that we use when we come into church, and we're in the, you know, underneath our seat, or in our workplace, at, at a place where we study, in our home office, or at work. We have Bibles everywhere, but oh, listen to me, it doesn't do us any good to have Bibles everywhere if we're not reading them. We can all come to the house of God with a Bible under our arm, coming with joy. But if we're not reading this book that we're carrying, what good is it? We need to be in the word of God. We need to know what the word of God says. Oh, listen to me. This week, we are going to be faced with problems. We are going to be faced with trials. And you're going to be faced with burdens. You're going to be faced with life. In every single thing you need to know, all the wisdom you need to know, all the instruction you need to know, the path that you need to know is found in God's word. Why are we indifferent to it? Why don't we love it? Why don't we cherish it? In old church, why aren't we reading it? 
See, a lukewarm church is satisfied to have it, but not eager enough to read it. We love to know we have the word of God, but are we implementing what the word of God says in our life here, this lukewarm church that God is so passionate about here saying, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Listen to me, if we're indifferent, indifferent with sanctification, indifferent with our service, indifferent with scripture, how about prayer? I want to ask you this morning, how's your prayer life? Now, I guess I ought to stop right here and just say to you, I there are certain messages that I preach that I hope sometimes they just, you leave saying, this is just great, I'm great, life is great. Sometimes it's a salvation message where if you don't know Christ as your Savior, we're praying that God will convict you and that you'll get saved. This is a message to the church to wake a church up. This is a message to a church to challenge us not to become lukewarm. The Bible says to occupy till he comes. We don't want to be asleep when Christ returns. I I don't know about you, but I want to be right in the middle. No, no, I want to be at the end, not in the middle. I want to be right at the end of someone I'm witnessing to them, bowing their head and trusting Jesus Christ and both of us going up together. I don't want to be in the middle because then they're going to be watching me leave and thinking, what do I do now? And then the deacons will have to go and help that person witness. I love our deacons. But they're indifferent about prayer. Oh, church, listen to me. You know, we need to ask ourselves, how much time do we give to prayer? When's the last time we fasted and prayed? I'm reminded of the disciples, they're going and they're doing the work that God has called them to do and Jesus is sending them out and, and they've watched Jesus do it and they've, they've watched Jesus heal and they've watched him uh, uh, cast out devils. They've watched him do these things and Jesus says, now I want you to go two by two and, and go do what I've taught you to do and, and they go out and they begin to try to do what Jesus did, but it's not working for them. And they go back to Jesus and they say, we don't understand. We're saying what you're saying. We're doing what you're doing, but it doesn't seem like we have any power. And Jesus says, this kind cometh not, but by prayer and by fasting. There's certain power that we cannot have unless we have given ourselves to prayer and to fasting. Oh, listen to me, church. We are not smart enough to do this in our own power, in our own strength, in our own intellect. We don't have enough passion. We don't have enough zeal. We don't have enough finances. We don't have what it takes. We can't do church in our flesh. We need the power of God. We need his spirit. And it only comes through a healthy prayer life. Are we praying? We heard this morning, there's a little boy, a young boy, that right now is resting in his mother's womb. He needs prayer. He needs a church that will take that prayer request and will bombard the throne room of heaven this week. 
And for the next several weeks, the next several months, God, bring healing to this young lady. God, bring healing to this baby boy. God, deliver this boy. Oh, listen to me. The Bible says the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous avail of much. God hears prayer. We need to pray. We need to be a praying church. In the next couple of weeks, I have it on my schedule, and I, I'll be honest with you, probably not a month goes by in my life that I don't think about this event. Matter of fact, I had a pastor from another state call me. He had a little 11-year-old boy in his church that he and his brother were messing around with a gun, and it went off, and the little 11-year-old boy last month died. And another pastor friend, a mutual pastor friend said, you know, I want you to call this pastor in Ohio. He went through the same thing in his church with a family and it'll be just a couple weeks from now. It was Mother's Day morning several years ago. I'll never forget. The son family went through the biggest tragedy in their life. I'll never forget that afternoon walking into that hospital room, seeing that lifeless body on that table. And two parents begging God to bring their little boy back. In those days, everybody says, well, pastor, you're supposed to say something and you're supposed to have the answer. You're supposed to, you're supposed to say something to make everything all get better. And I remember standing in that room saying, I have nothing to say. I came back and asked different people to pray. And we thought, why don't we just call a prayer meeting for the church? It was just like a last-minute Tuesday. Let's just call the church to pray. Who's going to come? I don't know. And I remember standing here in this auditorium begin to fill up with people from our church that began to pray and plead with God. Pray. And about 25 or so minutes into that prayer meeting, the family, son family came in. And when they came in, our church gathered around them, putting hands upon them and praying fervently that God would, would protect them, that God would heal their hearts, that God would minister to them. What a wonderful, wonderful thing to see a church that prays. And we've prayed. I've been at the bedside of many in this room and at some of the most hurting moments of many in this room, just begging God, and we've seen God work. We've seen God heal. We've seen God resolve a situation that we've thought is hopeless. We've seen God bring peace to a situation that was just out of control. And I would say this church, never should we get to the place where we try to do church without prayer. We never do church. We never try to live our lives without the power of prayer. We need to be a praying church. 
How do we know if we're indifferent? Um, how do we know if we're lukewarm? Prayer doesn't really matter. Scripture doesn't really matter. Service doesn't really matter. Sanctification doesn't really matter. Another area we're indifferent about investing in eternity. Soul winning doesn't matter. Our testimony doesn't matter. I want to ask you today, are you giving of yourself and it's changing your lifestyle? Are you giving of yourself in such a way that, that you're, you're sacrificing something? Yesterday we were, my wife and I were just, I don't even remember what we were talking about, but I said to my wife, I said, you know, babe, if we didn't tithe, I could buy you a diamond ring in a new truck, pay off our house, not all in the same year, but you know. And then we thought, talked and said, but oh, what God has blessed us with because we are faithful. And this is what Michelle said, you know, babe, if we didn't, we'd probably be so far in debt. We'd probably have such a mess that we wish we would probably be sitting here saying, why didn't we tithe? Are we living in such a way where we are, our lifestyles change because our sacrifice to God? Our investment? The Lord says this, he that hath an ear, let him hear. Are we lukewarm today? Are we, are we, are we seeing a mighty revival taking place in our land. And I know that there's some are saying this. I don't think that we're ever going to see revival again in our land. You know what I want to say to people like that? Be quiet. That was a nice way of saying it. <laughs> I want to see God work. I don't want to believe that people aren't getting saved anymore. I don't want to believe that sinners aren't repenting anymore. I don't want to believe that there's no hope for this generation that we're living in. I don't want to stand behind this pulpit and say, the God, the mighty God of yesteryear, that we don't know his power, and we're not going to ever sense his moving, and we're not going to see what we've read about, but we'll just stay faithful till the end. No, I'd rather stand and say that in this generation, let us see the power of God and the mighty hand of God. Let us see the, the what God can do. Let, let's see more missionaries sent. Let's see a church that takes the gospel of Jesus Christ into its community Let's see the plays, the times where bars are closed up and, and clubs are closed up because the owners are getting saved and the workers are getting saved. Isn't it, isn't it about time that we say, we want God to work in this generation and we want to pray that revival comes? Or do we just take this out of the Bible? It's not time for lukewarm Christians. We can see the mighty hand of God in this generation. I wonder this so often, what God could do with the church if we were hot. If we were hot. If we were on fire. If we were on fire for things of God, what God could do Toledo's called Heroin Highway. What if a church, what if a church got on fire for God? 
and it used to be known as Heroin Highway, but it's known as a revival trail now. Lukewarm Christianity says, I believe in you. It just doesn't excite me anymore. I believe in you, but it just doesn't excite me anymore. Last evening, I felt my, my son, you know, he, he left us. My daughter is, is dog-sitting, and she took the youngest with her. So they were out. My other two were at a birthday party, and so it was just my wife and I. It was just us on a Saturday night. Just us. No kids. Just the two of us. So we did what everyone our age should do. We went to Bob Evans for dinner. <laughs> and we sat there with all the young people, enjoyed a Bob Evans dinner. I walked in the house and there wasn't a single person. It was just us. And I said to Michelle, listen, do you hear that? And she said, what? I said, nothing. This is what being an empty nester is going to feel like. And I can't wait to spend it with you. And so by eight o'clock, I was in bed because I preached the next morning. And But oh, just to spend time, I, I, I said to her last night, I love you as much today as I did the day we got married and maybe even more, if that's even possible. I believe in God, but do we still get excited about him? I believe in Christ. Do we still get excited about it? I believe in salvation. Do we still get excited about it? Do we get excited enough to share it? A person deeply in love with their Savior will not allow this world to entice them away from their first love. And that's what happens in Revelation chapter number two. And in, in as we begin to talk about the church of Ephesus, he says this, look with me in verse number four, chapter two, verse number four, he said, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. God help us. Are we lukewarm? God, we see God wants to just spew lukewarm out of his mouth. Look with me in verse number 17 and 18. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not. Thou sayest and knowest not. You don't even know what you're doing. Would you write this down? The reasons for lukewarm Christianity? The reason for lukewarm Christianity, we see, we see what God's going to do with lukewarm Christians. We now see the reason here. The lukewarm Christian is usually the last to realize that they're lukewarm. They don't even realize it. They say something, but they know not what they're saying. They refuse to see. Although they have eyes, they refuse to see. They say, I'm rich. I'm increased with goods. I have need of nothing. And knowest not that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. They refuse to see, although they have eyes. They refuse to hear, as uh, all know that although they have ears. 
And in verse number 18, the Laodiceans, this was a, this, this church was a church that had great wealth. There was great gold here in the Laodicean area. There, there, they were a great wool manufacturer in that area. They had a great medical center. If you were to study the history of Laodicea, they had everything that they could want. They had everything to make their life comfortable. They had everything to make their life good, yet they were not satisfied. And I want you to remind you of this. When we seek the things of this world, we may think that it's going to satisfy us only to find that nothing satisfies. We're watching over and over these, these actors. If you've seen on the news one of these, these, these two actors that got married and now they're, they're controlling the, the news highlights for the last week or so and, and they've got all the money that you can think of. They got all the wealth they could think of. They got islands and houses and penthouses and mansions and everyone in the world knows who they are. They've got movies where they're starring and they've got more money than they know what to do with it, but they're miserable fighting with each other. They're miserable. Money doesn't make a person happy. Materialism doesn't make a person happy. None of that satisfies. The only thing that satisfies is what God gives us. Their complacency and their self-satisfaction, it began so gradual, they stopped growing in their love. You know, our love for Christ, it ought to be enthusiastic. And I know it, not everyone's the same personality. We've got people that, that are different personalities and some people show enthusiasm different than other people. And we're not comparing enthusiasm to someone else. You compare it to your heart where it's at before the Lord. But are you enthusiastic for the Lord? Are reckless for God? Are we willing to just do anything for God? How many of you remember your honeymoon phase at marriage? How many of you remember that? How many of you wish you were still there? You know, everything was great. Honeymoon. You know, we ought to be still in the honeymoon stages of the Lord. Let's not get lukewarm. And then, and then finally, I'm done with this. The solution to being lukewarm. Look with me in verse number 18. He said this, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in fire. Stop, stop looking for the things that you want in life. In verse number 17, you think you're rich. You think you've increased because you're getting something. Only the fact is you don't know what you're talking about. He says, I counsel thee or I, I, I compel thee to, to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyes have that thou mayest see. The solution of the lukewarm Christian is they need the gold of God's glory. They need the gold that can only that has been tried by fire. They need the garments of God's righteousness. Listen to me, all that we can do, we're still naked if we're trying to do it in our own eyes, in our own way, in our own might. We need God's garments of his righteousness and I want to ask you this question church what do you have that's going to last all of eternity because that'll tell you if you're lukewarm or not you just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church if it was a help to you make sure that you let somebody know about it 
If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org. And we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.